Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Raptors Rapture Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Raptors Rapture podcast. As always, I am your host, Hunter Surplus, but this week in this episode, it is just me on the mic. However, despite it just being me, we have a really good episode coming up. I'm going to be talking about the top five most influential people on the Toronto Raptors this decade. Yes, you heard it, this decade. Why, you ask? Well, I think you know because this decade is coming to an end. I'm recording this on December 29th from Cancun, Mexico. Humble brag there. Before we get into the most influential people of the decade, I just want to go over how this decade played out for the Toronto Raptors. It is a very low-key good one. The early part of the decade, which started in 2009-10 season, the Raptors weren't horrible, but they weren't great. 40-42 and record, didn't make the playoffs. 2010-11, 2010-11, they were 22 and 60. 2011-12, they were 23 and 43. 2012-13, they were 34 and 48. Those were the only four years that they did not make the playoffs in this decade. Since then, they've gotten in. 2013-14, 48 wins, lost in the first round. 49-33 in 2014-15, lost in the first round. 2015-16 is where they really, really broke out, finally getting over the 50-win hump, getting 56 wins, and made it to the conference finals, but lost to the Cavs in six games. Then 2016-17, another 50-win season, going 51-31, and losing into the conference semis, second round of the playoffs with to the Cavaliers, and then in 2017-18, franchise-high 59 wins, lost in the conference semis, and last season, 2018-19, Went 58 and 24, first in the Atlantic. They won the NBA Finals. A great way to finish off this decade. Now, when you look at that, you think, damn, the Raptors really were one of the best teams of the decade. They don't necessarily have the runs like the Golden State Warriors or the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Miami Heat, but they've been in the playoffs every year. They've almost been winning 50 games since 2013 14, which is six seasons and if you count the games that they've played so far in 2019-20 season which is just the end of the decade they look like they're going to be doing the exact same thing like I said it's not necessarily as flashy as some of the other teams who have won multiple titles but the longevity is what really impresses most people and what should be the most impressive thing about it they're winning almost 50 games every single year the past four seasons they've won 50 games and they look primed to do the same thing starting the 2020 decade so now we're going to get into that top five most influential people for the raptors this decade and this guy you may not agree with because he never played for the Raptors, and he was never really a part of the Toronto Raptors organization. 
However, you can't describe this decade of Raptors basketball without mentioning his name at least once. And that person is LeBron James. Now, this decade, LeBron played 47 games against the Raptors. His record, 37-10. and 10. He averaged 28 points per game and had 18 30-plus point games. That's insane. He won three straight playoff series against the Raptors. That always had, like, a Raptors team that had always had such high hopes. You heard those numbers that I had put out there. Those are 50-plus win teams. The team that took him to the conference finals and won six games had won 56, and then 51 in 2016-17, and 59 in 2017-18. Two of those series were sweeps, the 17-18 series. And you know what? Those Cavs teams were worse than they had ever been before. He really just had a mental and physical advantage over the Raptors. He always just seemed to dominate them no matter how good the Raptors were playing before and no matter how bad he and the and the Cavs were playing in the series before and how much they struggled after. Like I said, he just had the mental edge over not just the team, but the city, the coaches. It just seemed that whenever you would go up in a playoff series against LeBron and whenever you knew that LeBron was coming to Toronto, it was over and, and your playoff hopes had basically died. It wasn't even just Raptors fans. It wasn't just people in Toronto. It was all of the media. It was all the U.S. media. It's where people talk about the baby dinosaurs. The baby dinosaurs were only alive when they played LeBron James. Obviously, there were those playoff series against Brooklyn and Washington that didn't go our way, but that's had nothing to do with the baby dinosaurs or the mental advantage. It was just that they were a young team. They were a new team. We talk about how successful this iteration of the Raptors was with the Kyle Lowry's, with the DeMar DeRozan, with Dwayne Casey. LeBron broke that up. He is the sole reason for that team being broken up. He's the sole reason that Dwayne Casey got fired. He is basically the reason why the Raptors were ready to trade DeRozan so quickly, just because they couldn't get over the hump of I don't even want to say the Cavs, but you couldn't ever get over the hump of LeBron. That's what it was. It was the LeBron hump. If they don't face LeBron all those times, they probably make it to a NBA Finals at some point with how weak the East was during a lot of this time where they've been successful. They probably make it to a Conference Finals earlier. They probably do all these different things that they never were able to do until we got Kawhi Leonard and until LeBron left. I don't think that that should be overshadowed and I don't think that should be overlooked because the one year that the Raptors make the finals is when LeBron's not here and obviously Kawhi Leonard is a is a massive part of that and Kawhi Leonard is is the biggest reason for that but come on it's not a coincidence that that is what took place because LeBron just owned the Raptors this decade and especially in the playoffs the Raptors can never win a title with him in the way but I also don't think they never do without him destroying what was the Toronto Raptors. So LeBron, as much as I hated watching you play against the Toronto Raptors, I guess I have to say thank you. I guess I have to say thank you for being a definitive moment in the most successful years of the Toronto Raptors lives, basically the most successful decade of the Raptors so far. This decade could not be defined without LeBron James. It's just a fact. And there's a lot of teams that can say that. And there's a lot of teams that can say LeBron took us down and destroyed us and did all these different things. But he just killed the Raptors in a totally different way. In the playoffs, 
31 points per game against the Raptors, 8.4 rebounds, 7.6 assists, 58.3% from the field, and that's where LeBron did the most damage. We know LeBron takes off the regular season as NBA fans. We know that he takes off the first round sometimes, but as soon as he came to Toronto, as soon as he played Toronto, LeBron took over. And LeBron was the reason the Raptors didn't get as far as they probably should have in many of those seasons. And thus, that's why they deemed Toronto LeBronto after the 2018 playoff series against them. So LeBron, you've defined this decade. You're number five on my list. So jumping into number four, this one might be a little bit too low. I'm not exactly sure yet, but it's Kawhi Leonard. The reason he is so low is because he only really played one season with the Raptors. Obviously, he had the most success with the Raptors, and he was basically the main reason for said success. But one season, I don't think, does it enough for me. However, he was an all-star, second-team All-NBA, and second-team All-Defense. He won the chip and obviously was Finals MVP. Like I said, since it was only a year, it's really hard to say he was one of the most defining things for the decade. But then again, you won't remember the Toronto Raptors without him. Whether it's this decade, whether it's their whole life, Kawhi Leonard is always going to be part of Toronto Raptors history. He averaged 27.7 points per game in 84 games and averaged 30.5 points per game in the playoffs. And in fact, he had one of the best playoff runs of all time. There were things like the shot, the dunk on Giannis, more dunks on Giannis, the numerous other highlights, dunking on the Sixers, ending the Sixers series, basically carrying them through that series altogether, and then obviously going up against the best player in the world and locking him down. And all the different highlights that he had, the the laugh, the what it do baby, all that stuff. There was just so much of a cultural impact that he had. And frankly, he's just the best, most talented player that the Raptors have ever had. I don't know if you can really say that he's consensus the best Raptor of all time just because he was only there for one season and guys like DeRozan and Lowry have been here for so long and Vince Carter was kind of the first real star that was in Toronto and wanted to stay there for a little bit. But, you know, he changed the culture of the Toronto Raptors in the sense of we're just better than you guys and we have the best player. And it really was the first time that as Raptors fans, you could say we have the best player on the court and I think that we can win any playoff series no matter what. And like I said, I don't think that he should be recognized as the decade's best Raptor just because he was only here for one season. But all the stuff that happened in that one season the amount of fans and the and the the growth of the Toronto Raptors that he brought by bringing this success to the Toronto Raptors I don't think should be overlooked because it really was one of the greatest things ever and like I said the playoff runs brought people together like nothing before and not only just Toronto but you know places outside of Toronto and, and places outside of Ontario even all of Canada was brought together by this one playoff run and he really believed that you know, this is a legit shot and we actually might win the championship throughout the whole thing. And then they did. And it was all really because of him. And I don't like saying usually that the Raptors only won the championship because of Kawhi Leonard, but 
they wouldn't have won the championship if Kawhi Leonard wasn't on the team. And I think that is something that should be noted and, and will go down in history, obviously, especially with how good the playoff run was by him, averaging 30.5 points per game and doing it on the defensive end as well and, and doing it while injured and, and putting his whole life on the – not life, his whole um, body on the line while doing it is, is something that should be looked at and, and be impressed by. I do also think that a – low-key thing that kind of happened was the Raptors impact on Kawhi Leonard the Raptors helped his brand more than I think the Kawhi Leonard helped the Raptors brand outside of the championship and that's just because before that he was kind of seemed seemed like the evil guy who wanted his way out of the best situation in the NBA when leaving the San Antonio Spurs and leaving Greg Popovich and saying you know I don't want to be here anymore I don't trust them Everything changed. Now he's regarded as one of the top five, three, two, one best players in the NBA just because of what he did with the Toronto Raptors and, and just because of how the Toronto Raptors treated him and, and how the Raptors really showed how to use use Kawhi Leonard in the best way possible. And I think a lot of teams are now looking at it and saying, wow, I wish we traded for Kawhi Leonard when we had the chance but we couldn't, and I honestly don't think that Kawhi Leonard would have succeeded in in many places that weren't the Toronto Raptors as much as he did last season. You know, he sold out New Balance all the time within 10 minutes. All of his stuff sold out within 10 minutes in Toronto, in Canada, just because the Raptors fan base and the Raptors brand is so big here in Canada, and obviously he helped grow it, but I think the Canadian Raptor fans also helped grow the Kawhi Leonard brand so Kawhi you're number four I think you could have been higher if you stayed a little bit longer if you were here earlier in the decade even if you decided to stay you're probably higher up on this list but you left you won us the chip you did all these good things for us you just didn't have have enough uh, mileage under your belt so for number three I'm going with the first guy and only guy on the list that is outside of the basketball realm and that is the Toronto Raptors global ambassador Drake Drizzy the six god. Now, Drake was named the global ambassador in 2013, basically when the Raptors started their success. And with this position, he was a big part of the whole, you know, We the North campaign that is known not only just in Toronto, but throughout the whole NBA. And I think without Drake, it probably doesn't get as big, and the whole The North doesn't come about as much. His star power has been felt from the sideline. He's always attending games. He used to attend a lot more, but as he's growing bigger, as he's touring more, obviously he's not able to get there, but he's there during the playoffs. He was there during all the playoff runs with the Toronto Raptors. There's so many different moments, right, that have gone viral with Drake on the sideline from him using a lint roller on the sideline. You know, People in Toronto were talking about it for weeks. People turned it into a meme. People were doing it. People were making videos about it, YouTube videos, Vine, all that kind of stuff. But it's not the only time that he's made noise courtside. He, he forced a five-second inbound violation in a very, very tight game against the Chicago Bulls. Got into a heated argument with the Cavs' Kendrick Perkins, who, was, who wasn't playing after a game. And, you know, apparently it's not the first time that he's been talking smack. You see it all the time on the sideline, him jabbing back and forth. But you know what? He's also got a lot of respect around the league. A lot of times 
people come in and, and give daps to Drake whenever he's there. You know, the, the Golden State Warriors are kind of known for it. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry always get a lot of love from Drizzy. And I think that does really give a lot of respect to the Toronto Raptors, having a guy like that sitting courtside. Because you never really had one of the biggest, not only musical artists, but one of the biggest well-known people in all of entertainment ever really sitting courtside for a Raptors game. And it's not even really just Raptors games. He's He's got the infamous picture courtside at the All-Star game that was in Toronto where there's LeBron guarding Kobe and it's Kobe's last All-Star game and there's Drake standing up clapping. And a lot of people think that that's one of the worst parts of that picture. And I think, you know, as an NBA fan as a whole, I get it. I get that you're ruining one of the most infamous moments of all time where the passing of the torch, you know, it it has already happened, but now it's LeBron's league without Kobe being in there. Without Drake in that picture, you would have no idea that it's in Toronto. Moving past just his fame and his stature that he brings to the Toronto Raptors, he's also done a lot of good, right? He's partnered with the Toronto Raptors in the Welcome Toronto campaign to give $2 million to Basketball Canada and $1 million to redo courts around the city of Toronto. And that's very important because when a team is successful, you really want to see them getting involved with the community and building not only a relationship with the fans, but with people who are in Toronto. Help build the help build the game of basketball. Help build programs. Help build everything that you can to make a very positive impact on not just the city, but Canada as a whole because this team does represent all of a country. And that, that's a very cool thing that he's done. Canada basketball really would not be the same without him. And in fact, the Toronto Raptors wouldn't be the same without him. He's been supporting the team throughout. He's been at playoff games on social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can go down the line. He raps about them. He talks about players in, in songs. You know, there's the infamous moment where he got warned during their 2019 playoff run about confrontations and celebrating and getting in on the action. He said, no, I'm going to keep doing what I do because I'm the biggest fan. He's basically the Spike Lee of the Toronto Raptors. And if I'm a New York Knicks fan, I love Spike Lee. But as a fan of the not New York Knicks, I hate Spike Lee. And I'm sure the exact same thing can be said for Drake. And I think that's a very important thing for a team to have. The Lakers had Jack Nicholas, and we have Drake, right? And it's, you know, you, you maybe not look at it the same way, but... For people in my generation, I'm 20 years old, people my age, a little bit older and a little bit younger, they probably think that it's the coolest thing. They think, oh my God, it's Drake. I listen to his music and he supports my team. I think it's a very good thing to have for a a team and a city of someone who represents them and represents the team so much. And then when you look at when the Toronto Raptors actually won he not only got a ring, but everybody was waiting for him to say stuff about the win. I remember the night of of them winning, the game six, everybody was just kind of on Instagram trying to see what Drake said. And then as soon as he had that interview outside of his condo, guess what happened? Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was saying, oh my God, this is what Drake said, blah, blah, blah. And it just got another buzz going and, and more excitement around the city and around the team and around the Raptors. He got a ring. He bought everyone jackets. He's just really connected to the the team. Obviously, he has the OVO practice facility, which came up, I think, in 2018 or 2019, which OVO is his brand. OVO is, has everything to do to Drake. He funded it. He funded some re, uh, redecoration and all that kind of stuff. And going back on that OVO theme, 
It's got a lot of jerseys from the Toronto Raptors over the past few years that are the OVO night jerseys, the OVO theme jerseys, the black and gold. So obviously there's the cultural, but like I said, there's not just the cultural part of, of Drake, him helping out the communities and you know him actually being a fan and not just being there for the quote-unquote clout that a lot of people talk about nowadays. He's there because he genuinely loves the Toronto Raptors and he genuinely loves the city of Toronto. And I think he is a very, very big part of the Raptors' growth, not just in Canada, but around the world. And I think he's a very big part of this Raptors team and organization and all of MLSC. And you know what? I know it sounds really funny, but Drake has really helped define this decade for the Toronto Raptors. So moving on to number two, and this guy has really blown up over the past few years, and it's Masai Ujiri. Usually an executive wouldn't fall into a category like this because you don't always notice the things that happen in the front office, but you come in and you look at Masai Ujiri, especially at how he's revered now, you have to give him the respect that he deserves. He came to Toronto in 2013 and since then has basically done no wrong. We know the big trades, the Kawhi Leonard, the Marcus Gasol trades, but even the little ones have been very helpful for this organization. He traded Bargnani, Rudy Gay, Quincy AC, Aaron Gray for Chuck Hayes, Pat Patterson, John Salmons, and Grievous Vasquez. Then he traded Salmons for Lou Will and Lucas, Lucas Nagara. And then traded Vasquez for the rights to Norman Powell in 2017 pick, which ended up being OG and Anobi. He had Terrence Ross, and he traded him for Serge Ibaka. Guess where he was? He was on the championship team. And then obviously those 2018-19 moves, like I mentioned, DeRozan and Pirtle for Kawhi, JV, CJ Miles, DeLon Wright, and a second rounder for Marcus Saul. And if you look past the trades, he's made some crazy good pickups in the draft to make this team really good going forward. Siakam, the most notable one, 27th overall pick. Norman Powell, I just mentioned him. He was drafted really late in the first round. OG Ananobi drafted really late in the first round. Fred Van Fleet, undrafted. He's been tremendous. He got a finals MVP vote, and he's undrafted. And then you look at what he's done so far with the guys like Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis and picking up picking up guys more recently like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson who have been a really, really, really big help for the team when they've been struggling. And it's crazy because you don't really talk about executives in this way, but he's turned into a coveted perf person on the market. And I really do think that the team has half the success without Masai Ujiri. And a big part of that is the culture change that he made Obviously, he made the decision to fire Dwayne Casey, which was a culture change in its own. But before that, when we're talking about the beginning of those We the North days, Masai Ujiri really made this team into a tough, gritty, we want to change culture ever since he got to Toronto. We got to change the culture. We got to make this team a winner. We got to make this team this. We got to make this team that. And ever since he's been here, They've been getting better and better and better. And then obviously with the moves that he made in the 2018-19 season and, and the offseason getting Kawhi Leonard and Marc Gasol, they ended up getting a championship ring. And that doesn't happen without Masai Ujiri, whether it's the role players or whether it's the big moves or, or the free agents or the, the draft picks. Everything that came and, and has been through Toronto since the 2013 where he really came here, has essentially been the right move. Like I said, the Raptors don't have the success that they have right now in this decade without a guy like Masai Ujiri, who was 
A, able to change the culture, and B, able to make some of the best trades for this team. You never really think about that kind of thing when you look at championship teams and you look at a team who's had a really good stretch of years. You don't think about the front office. You think about the top-end talent and the top-end guys. But as the decade has progressed and Masai has made more moves and, and more stuff to add on to this team and to get this team prepared for the future and the next decade, you really realize how good he has been. And him turning into a coveted person on the market is something that, should scare Toronto Raptors fans if he does decide to leave because we've seen the impact that he has. And he's a guy like Red Auerbach or a guy like R.C. Buford or a guy like Greg Popovich who is taking the spotlight away from some of the talented players just because of how good he is and how much of an impact he brings to a table and how much he brings to an organization. It's insane to say, but Masai Ujiri is the number two most influential player person Sorry for the Toronto Raptors of this decade. So now moving on to number one is going to be a bit of a cheat for me because it really is two players, and that's Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. I don't care what you say about either of them. They are the two players that have defined this decade the most for the Toronto Raptors. Lowry was traded to the Raptors in 2012. Since then, he's got five All-Stars, one All-NBA, six straight playoff appearances, and he won the chip with the team in 2019. Kyle Lowry leads the Raptors franchise in three-pointers made, steals, turnovers, offensive win shares, defensive win shares, and win shares in total. Now, DeMar DeRozan, drafted by the Raptors in 20, 2009, so he's been here for pretty much the entire decade. Four All-Star appearances, two All-NBA. He was the main scoring force in all of the Raptors teams that went to the playoffs and had so much success, like I've mentioned throughout this whole podcast. He leads the Raptors franchise in games, minutes, field goals made, field goals attempted, free throws made, free throws attempted, and points. I think it's safe to say whether it's been good or bad in the decade, pretty much everything has been about Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. The playoff struggles that we've faced have all been, oh, Lowry and DeRozan didn't show up. Lowry and DeRozan didn't do this. Lowry and DeRozan didn't do that. All the regular season success and all the culture change and all the scoring and all that kind of stuff that you look to that the Raptors have been so good at, you look at and say, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan have been the main reason for that, obviously, except for the years that they weren't there. But you look at it and you say, those two have been the leading force for this Raptors team ever since they've been around. Not only can you not define this decade without talking about Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan at length, you can't talk about the Raptors franchise as a whole without Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan being talked about at length. No matter what list you look at in terms of the Raptors' best players of all time, Number one or number two is Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan. Most of the time, it's going to be Kyle Lowry, especially now that he's won the championship. DeRozan is usually that second fiddle. This one, to me, was a no-brainer, having these two at the number one. And obviously, there's the interchangeable parts with the Raptors teams. Serge Ibaka was brought in. Terrence Ross, we mentioned him earlier. A lot of guys who have been around the Raptors team and who have been a big part of it but the one thing that stayed true and the one thing that stayed certain, the one thing that was always on this Raptors team during those successful years was Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Obviously, they moved on from DeMar, and that was a big thing. But I think another thing that you have to look at with DeMar DeRozan is that they moved on from him to win a championship. And that doesn't necessarily mean that 
it's because of him that they weren't winning championships, but they were able to move him for a guy that could take the Raptors to a spot where they could actually win a championship. Whether it's on the court, off the court, DeMar DeRozan was one guy who always wanted to be in Toronto. These guys were the anchor of the team for so many years and had so much success with the team. Basically, with those two on the court, you were ready for 48 to 50 wins every single season. And a lot of teams can't say that about their two best guys. And a lot of teams can't have the same run that they had with just Lowry and just DeRozan getting there. Neither of them really being top 10, 15 talents, but them combined was one of the best things um, that the league had seen in the past five years, just because they were so consistent at getting 50 wins and, and getting 45 wins and doing the things that they needed to do to get into the playoffs and into the top half of the Eastern Conference. Like I said, you can't talk about this Toronto Raptors decade without having Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan at the very, very, very top of your list just because of what they meant to the city, the team, the franchise, MLSE as a whole, ownership, all of that stuff. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan were the the main forces in that. And frankly, without them, this decade looks a whole lot worse. So that's it for my list. I'll go over it one more time for you guys. Number five, LeBron James. Number four, Kawhi Leonard. Number three, Champagne Poppy. Number two, Masai Ujiri. And number one, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Let me know what you guys think. Tell me if you guys agree, disagree, all that kind of stuff. You can tweet us at, at Raptors Rapture. You can tweet me at H underscore surplus. Let me know what you guys think. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.